Welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Chat. I'm your host, Tara Robertson, and I have a fun topic for you today. We're talking all things account-based marketing. So I have a special guest, Karina Owens. Karina is the Senior ABM Manager Enterprise at Gong. If you're in B2B, you definitely know Gong. Gong enables revenue teams to realize their full potential by unveiling their customer reality. Karina, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Tara. Thanks so much. I've been a longtime listener, so thrilled to be here with you. Thank you so much. That's so nice to hear. I'd love to hear just really quickly what your team is up to at Gong. Obviously, you're on the ABM team and just what you're working on these days. Yeah. So at Gong, we are having quite a busy year. We are full of focus on new industries. Uh, as you, everybody knows, tech is our bread and butter, but we are seeing use cases beyond, such as in recruiting and staffing. So we are expanding um, our use cases and messaging quite a bit as well as launching a lot of new product features and taking Gong on the road for the first time since 2020. So we are quite busy here, uh, but having a great time and a lot of fun creating uh, new creative ways to engage with our audience. That's super exciting. And obviously I'm super familiar with the demand gen funnel and kind of metrics on that side of things, but curious, what are the main KPIs that your team is working on driving at Gong? And if you could also get into a little bit of just people that are brand new to ABM, what those metrics are that they should be looking at. Yeah, and I love the way you phrase that question because it's quite a different landscape for ABM at Gong than it can be for a lot of organizations. Uh, for us, we our North Star is pipeline, but also velocity. So we're uh, mm -hmm. aggressively measuring how are we performing and moving our accounts through the funnel. Uh, so that's a key focus of ours. But I think for many people, account-based marketing, um, you know, especially depending on your sales cycle, it can take a while to show the fruits of your labor. So I really encourage people to focus on engagement metrics at the start. Uh, so you can start to show some incremental success, uh, some leading indicators of what that more star could eventually be. And that can be uh, things from what see may seem seemingly small, but are we increasing the number of target accounts on key pages on our site, like our pricing page or our demo page? So I like to really encourage people that are looking to expand their capabilities with ABM to think about starting small with some engagement metrics before you can start to show some of those uh, North Star metrics that kind of tie a bit more to revenue. Yeah, that makes sense. So get some measurable wins under your belt and then try to build up from there as you're building out that team. Yes, and communicate those wins early and often. <laughs> yeah, early. And I think that's a common thread with marketers as we don't shout out our wins quite as much as some other teams might. So that's definitely good advice early and often share those wins and kind of build momentum internally as well, not just with your customers. Definitely. And where does the ABM team at Gong fit in with the rest of the marketing team? How is that structured? So right now we sit in the, uh, the revenue team is what we call it. And we are a, essentially mm -hmm. a subset of demand generation. So demand generation uh, and the digital teams are their own function. And then ABM is as well. Uh, what I like about that structure is that it does help us to be much more aligned. So of course, I'm going to be touching our accounts in a very unique and specific customized way. But demand generation is also going to be focusing on them for um, more of that broader reach, right? And so I mm -hmm. like to often describe the differences uh, between EBM and demand gen is one is more so about creating. And I think the other is more about uh, nurturing and capturing, right? So making sure that we are making it as easy as possible once we have identified uh, interest or a need, make it as easy as possible for that buyer to have an informed decision about 
um, the buying process and, and us as a solution. Mm, gotcha. So the creating in your case is on the demand gen side of the house. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Creating demand is kind of, that's the name of the game. So that makes sense to me. Um, yep. One thing I wanted to make sure we talked about is I saw a post of yours on LinkedIn. I think you were quoting Kevin Dorsey, but it was basically the gist of it was that some people say customization is better than personalization, but really when you say personalization, this that's content that only this one specific person could make sense of or could get something out of. So I'm curious, obviously it resonated with you. I thought it was really interesting too, but have you ever done yep. that in practice and applied that to a campaign? Yes. And it really resonated with me because it was such a simple way of explaining the difference. I think a lot of times marketing technology likes to put uh, marketing tactics into a box, right? A box that fits their specific use case for their technology. And personalization for a long time has been a part of that. First name token, company name token, enter here. So we've really lost our creative mindset around what should personalization really mean. Um, so I loved his quote that Kevin shared. Uh, Kevin, I'm in your inbox. Please give it a quick look. Uh, so I do love what he shared where he said, if it can't only make sense to that one individual, then it's likely not personalized. So a lot of times what we'll do here is because Gong is such a great product and we have so many raving fans um, and they're so talented as well that they often move jobs and it's been just an incredibly volatile market. So it's really important for us to keep tabs on where are those different rating fans moving to and making sure that we stay engaged with them. Uh, user gems is what I like to call sales uh, new favorite intent signal. They are just absolutely obsessed with it. And as a marketer, hmm. anytime you can get sales bought into data, you just run with that. So we've been running with it. And it's helped us to quickly identify who our rating fans are, where they've landed with their new job changes. And mm. we do personal and uh, outreach, not quite at scale yet. So it's not a templatized workflow, but we do make sure to reach out to them. Um, and again, try and create that raving fan experience, congratulating them on their new job, giving them helpful tools and kits to get them set up for success, depending on whether they're NFCS org or more traditional revenue, new business org, um, and generate that excitement and experience to hopefully carry that Gong user experience with them into their new role. Um, but it's all about being personalized for them. So it's not something that we could just blanket and do in a templatized way. It is, you know, making sure we know their individual interests, what motivates them. So there's a lot of work behind the scenes, too, of us talking with the former uh, CS team and getting to better understand them. Uh, so to wrap it all up, <laughs> we do a couple of different things to make sure we're being personalized. but. Uh, it's, we're really grateful as a team to see these experiences prove fruitful. So it's mm -hmm. been something that our entire organization kind of rallies behind is to create those really memorable experiences that you can't necessarily replicate, that it is very individualized and very personalized. So yes, to wrap that all up, it, uh, mm -hmm. take a step back when you're doing any kind of campaign or outreach and make sure that is this something that only this person can read and this will resonate with? that's how you, you know you're doing something that's memorable and personable. Mm -hmm. And have you ever seen that work on the account side? Because I'm curious, I, a couple of years ago, account-based marketing was basically just like display ads and like insert logo right. here. And that was kind of it. But <laughs> I, I'm curious how you some. think. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious how you think that's evolved because I, I do think some people are still stuck in that mindset. 
Yeah, it, it's interesting for me too. I've never quite seen it that way. Again, I I try and remove myself a lot from the the tech vendor view and how they want me to look at things. But mm-hmm. one of the ways I've tried to create those personal experiences is actually within um, like a pilot launch, as an example. So, you know, when you're uh, evaluating any kind of serious technology, there's so many different people you have involved. There's so much paperwork. There's so much minutia that people just forget at that stage that people like to have fun at this at this stage as well. So mm-hmm. we would often do things for the account where it was almost like a um, a RFP buying committee party where we stepped away <laughs> as a vendor, but we would set them up for, you know, I, I'll just say something broad, like, you know, champagne and uh, pancakes <laughs> uh, to enjoy while they go mm-hmm. over things. So I think that there's this, there's a way you can kind of rally the account and the teams at these accounts to enjoy and have memorable experiences together so that when they do walk away and they're discussing the different options they have on the table, hopefully you as a company or as a brand come up and make them smile. So I always try and look at it as how can we create experiences for these these groups or these accounts that make them want to come back and talk to us, make it easy, make it fun, make it human. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. If you're that you have an hour block to review a contract or review an RFP, make it fun. Nobody yeah. really wants to be in that room anyway. So maybe at, if you bring some champagne yeah. or send them breakfast, that's a great way to wrap it up into a nice experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, another post of yours that really caught my attention, and I know it had quite a lot of comments. I think it was like 60 something last time I checked. Um, but you basically put out the question of it, which roles in marketing would you scale, contract, or fire? And I'm curious, I didn't get a chance to look through all of the comments. I'm sure you spent more time than I have, but just kind of what trends were you seeing and what really jumped out at you in the responses? Yeah, I love how LinkedIn is is becoming more of a place where we can, again, engage in a fun way and in a mm-hmm. more human way. And a lot of times these posts that are, you know, I, I did, a, I do a fill in the blank, blank is X, Y, Z, and people just go nuts over it. So this was another one of those where I mm-hmm. loved to see the responses we got back. And there was a, quite a few themes in there um, for the fire, which obviously is more of the divisive part of that yeah. question. Um you know, it, uh, the overwhelmingly theme was fire SEO. And I think that that, you know, kind of makes sense and rings true with a lot of trends that we're seeing in marketing today, which is stop building content that's designed just to, you know, get ranked number one, right? Build content in an mm-hmm. individualized and personal way that's going to attract that one person at that right time. So it's interesting to see that these trends that were huge, even just five years ago, SEO was still a big topic. Um, people were still building, you know, pillar content strategies all around just mm-hmm. ranking number one on Google. And now today, that's like the number one thing that most marketers are saying they would no longer like to focus on or, or put budget towards. So um, it's interesting to see how just what was really hot in, in one day in marketing is just completely the opposite sign and thrown out the next day. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you brought up SEO too, because it's almost the opposite of what we were just talking about of super personalized for that one person. It's like a like complete other end of the spectrum, right? So I think that is just part of that pendulum kind of, like you said, it swings either way pretty wildly, depending on just what the hot trend that it is that year, that month, and also just kind of what vendors are selling realistically. People are pushing different agendas. Exactly. And- 
Yeah. And I think that that's why I do caution people to take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, whichever vendor or influencer has the microphone right now, uh, you know, mm -hmm. it could be thrown out within a year. And uh, so just, you know, caution, always make an informed decision on what you believe is best for your business. Nobody's really going to know better than you. So keep your ears, you know, glued to the ground, pay attention to trends and themes and be open to new ideas and ways of doing things. But uh, I do caution anybody from ever hyping on trends too much to where uh, <laughs> they start to have absolutes about what is the correct way to do marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think only you know your audience or you should know your audience better than some influencer on LinkedIn. So you hopefully can <laughs> take that with a grain of salt and apply the best practices that you're learning from a bunch of different places. Um, yeah. Sort of on that topic, we were talking earlier, you're pretty active on LinkedIn. I know a lot of your posts, like you said, get a ton of engagement. I'm kind of dipping my toes. I'm not the most active, but trying to get there. So I'm curious, just what is getting you excited about LinkedIn these days? And kind of on the other end, what are you kind of getting a little bit turned off with on LinkedIn and maybe would like to see less of? Yeah, well, you know, I will say I'll start with the I'm excited to see that I think people are starting to show up as more of their whole authentic self on the LinkedIn platform. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that I do think there's a trend where since this whole work from home digital environment, people are starting to feel like even in their own jobs. I mean, we're, you're in my office right now, right? That, that used to not be the norm. Mm -hmm. It's by proxy, just how we work. You're already starting to have a much more deeper understanding of who I am as a person. And you're, I'm not just Karina, career Karina right now, right? Like you're getting more of my whole self. And since LinkedIn is really that digital, you know, workspace, that's also the trend we're seeing on the platform too. So I'm loving that because people are complex and we shouldn't have to just present ourselves in one, you know, one way just because we're working. Um, you know, the other thing that I'm hoping to see more of and absolutely encourage you to be posting more of because this will benefit me uh, from a selfish perspective, but <laughs> there's not terribly many female voices represented in B2B or in tech. And I'm really tired of it. And one of the reasons why I push myself to post and engage on this platform as much as I do is because I want to see other females have that opportunity as well. Um, you know, I think that we have so much value to add. I think that enough is kind of enough with us not having the same opportunities or the same platforms. And so I, what I would love to see more of is just more diverse voices. It helps, right? It helps us to stop mm -hmm. We don't all need to speak the same language all the time. We can accept different points of views and, and different ways of doing things. And so the way we get there, though, is to have an acceptance of having more different voices. And I'm hopeful that we'll start to see more of a trend on LinkedIn as well for that. Yeah, I'm definitely noticing a change. And I mentioned that I, in the past, was not very active on LinkedIn. And that's a big reason why. I just, I would log in and just see the same kind of maybe five, 10 faces over and over. and. I just felt like this isn't for me. And right. I don't know if it was just this year or just me dipping my toes back into the platform, but I've seen such a change. And obviously it helps because I'm interacting with you. So I see your posts more and all that. But right. it, yeah, it's been a really positive change. And I think the more different voices we can get out there, the better. And hopefully we I can agree. just well, start to change that ratio a little bit. 
Well, and you're a part of it, right? I mean, um, I'm grateful that on my podcast list, you know, I have a female voice like you that I can tune into. And I do find that I want to tune into that. And just having the option is, I think, really all we're Mm -hmm. asking for a lot of the time, just having that opportunity. So I'm really grateful that uh, you are uh, a host on this podcast and that I have that opportunity to tune in and hear uh, a voice like yours and other voices like yours. Cool. And I appreciate you joining. So it wouldn't be the podcast it is without guests. So that's really nice of you to say. But yeah, the guests make the podcast for sure. Um, And then on kind of the flip side, what is it that you think? I mean, I already said that I used to log on to LinkedIn and see kind of the same five people over and over. Um, Is there any other trends that you're seeing on LinkedIn that you're kind of just over or you wish we could kind of move on from? (laughs) Oh, God, that's a good question. You know, something I've also shared is how we get stuck in doing the same things for the sake of engagement, right? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people were like, oh, nobody's doing video content on LinkedIn. I'm going to do video content on LinkedIn. But all the video really is, is you in a Zoom meeting with maybe some text overlay of what you're saying. That's not Mm -hmm. video content. I mean, sure (laughs) it is, but... That's not going to, that's Mm -hmm. not the point of the medium of video content. Uh, So I think that I would love, this is LinkedIn specific. um, Mm -hmm. I would love to see us not fall trapped to the algorithm as much as we do. Uh, Because it just, it ends up muddying and making noise unnecessarily. So LinkedIn really is strong with text. And I I go to LinkedIn to, to read text threads and... Not mm-hmm. to say that video doesn't have a place for everybody on LinkedIn. It can, but if you do video, maybe think beyond the the generic video upload of mm-hmm. speaking to a camera with some text overlay. Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right about the algorithm. People jump on it. They hear like, oh, video is hot right now. So we have to make more videos. And I saw that actually on the last post of yours that we were talking about. A lot of people had video in the contract category. and. Mm. I found that funny because we do a ton of video, obviously, at Chili Piper, but mm-hmm. I can I just can't imagine contracting all of it out because our video team is so just in the weeds on the marketing team and so involved in what we're working on. So I just, yeah, I feel like that's where you end up with those kind of boring videos is it someone sending them to like some contractor to do for them and they just sit there yep. for an hour and make all of these videos probably in a batch and... You're, you're so right. And I was actually just in a community forum where somebody was asking the community members, you know, who would you best recommend to go through and do timestamps to find out what were those key pieces of meaningful content from a podcast episode? And my Mm. mind went to, you know, oh, well, what was the purpose? Well, it's probably, they probably landed somebody that they're hoping to close business with. Uh, So go to the seller or the AVM lead. What do they know is most meaningful to getting that account or that person to want to sign the deal? Um, so to your point right there, if they had just contracted that out, you know, Mm -hmm. it's very, very unlikely that that contract would have known what was meaningful to that business. So yeah, I think people get confused with, uh, leading too much with getting something done for the sake of getting done, just execution and not a lot of forethought behind what would make that video content really successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then maybe you can use it elsewhere and not just as like some kind of hack for the LinkedIn algorithm, but it could actually be a good piece of content on your website or elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Last kind of long-ish form question for you is, 
I know obviously working with sales is super important to ABM success. I'd love to hear if there's any mistakes you've made in the past or maybe just anything that you've learned working with sales that has maybe been not so positive that you were able to turn around into a learning experience. Yeah, I think it was very obvious to me early on that my background's actually in education. So I'm very familiar with teaching uh, mm-hmm. the same piece of content in a variety of different ways to capture different learning styles. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something I've really carried with me in marketing and sales. And I never assume that my training or my email or my Slack message lands. And so what I do is I tend to over communicate, which I highly recommend every marketer do when they're working with sales. I've never heard a salesperson say, hey, you've reached out to me too many times with helpful information. Please stop. <laughs> um, Unsubscribe so, from Lisa. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say that, especially with ABM2, I think a lot of times sales is a missed component of forming who that target account list is, what the strategy mm-hmm. is, what the content is. So also my advice would be invite them early and often to collaborate with you. I mean, they they have just as much of a stake of, in this, if not more sometimes than the marketer does of, you know, these accounts landing and getting these across the finish line. So the more often you can involve sales in your campaign planning or your new content creation or your countless strategy for the year, the better. You will see that you're going to get that buy-in from them much quick, much more quicker because you've already shown them that mm-hmm. you val- validate their experiences and their expertise and you've invited them to the table to help make this a success. Yeah, I think that's really solid, especially for ABM, but I mean, any kind of marketing, if sales doesn't know what's happening, it's always a missed opportunity. So. If they don't... If they don't even know where to find your content, that's a missed opportunity, right? Like you've spent all this hard time trying to get something out in the market. They're the ones, they're going to be your biggest champions for shepherding that piece of content. So uh, simple things like making sure they all know where to find uh, a case study or a specific uh, content piece is is critical. Boring Mm -hmm. maybe, but critical. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that actually just came up the other week. Um, a newer sales rep on the team pointed out that it took him like, I think, five clicks to find out where our customer stories are on the website. He was just poking around and we're going to probably rechange all of our menu on the site and put customers just front and center because it was so hard to find before. What a but good we're just piece so close to it, too. right? Yeah, we're just that's right. That's close. right. Yeah. I think, too, that's an excellent point that you guys help, uh, made that available and listened to them and are now acting upon that. But if they can't find it, it's so much harder for your prospects to find it. And sales is so close to them at any given point. So mm-hmm. yeah, keep keeping that 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 on, like always listening with your sales team is, is critical. Yeah, for sure. Great. So just a couple of quick fire questions to wrap up our chat. First one, is there another marketer that you follow that our listeners should go check out? Maybe give them a follow. Yes, Liam Marini. He is a fantastic marketer, incredibly seasoned around all things demand generation. Uh, Mm -hmm. He has his own podcast as well called Marketing Revisited, and he just does a really excellent job at uh, breaking down very complex topics, and uh, he's incredibly inclusive as a marketer as well. So he's definitely somebody I would recommend you check out. Great. Yeah, I've seen his name come up a bunch lately. I wonder if it's from commenting on your post, but um, (laughs) definitely someone that we should all go check out. 
And what's an under the radar? Could be a channel or a tactic that your team is loving right now. Yeah, so I do think that that user gems data signal is a really big one. Um, I even hesitate to share it out because it's uh, somewhat <laughs> of a, a best kept secret, I feel like right now. Uh, hmm. But again, it's their capabilities of being able to track many different data signals. So LinkedIn, Sales Navigator, your own data about, you know, MPS scores, et cetera, and then following them around and surfacing up that information uh, in your CRM is uh, critical. And then generally too, I just think uh, we're still underutilizing communities and forums. And so things like Reddit and Quora, those are, there's so much, especially for sales professionals, there's so much content and questions being asked in those forums and just showing up with helpful content that I'm sure most vendors have um, mm -hmm. in a way that's not spammy. So, you know, don't just drop in your bit.ly link here, but actually. Yeah, especially on Reddit. <laughs> You'll get scared yes. for that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, you will. <laughs> but yeah, just offering mm -hmm. up and digesting or distilling down, I should say that the information in your content piece and putting in those forums that builds up so much trust and credibility and you'd be surprised at the amount of eyes that you're you're getting on that. And lastly, where can we go to follow you and find out more about you? Yeah, I am very active on LinkedIn, Karina Owens, C-O-R-R-I-N-A, mm -hmm. very commonly misspelled. So it's the only reason why I spell that out. <laughs> and then um, I'm also experimenting with TikTok. Um, so you can also find me on there at featuring underscore Karina. Great. And we'll put those links in the show notes for anyone who wants to give Karina a follow. Thanks so much, Karina, for your time. Thank you, Tara. So appreciate it. Great. And thanks everyone for listening. I'll see you back here in two weeks for a brand new episode.